And I will now look at time as one of my biggest or most important values. I mean, obviously you need to make some money and do the things and, you know, pay attention to those responsibilities. I'm not going to shirk those, but time is now for me, top of my list of what's important. That's Alan Adams, and I'm your host, Shanti, along with Mary, and this is episode 32 of the Out and Back podcast. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution or used a milestone birthday to set a goal or an intention for your upcoming year? Well, at the end of 2019, Alan Adams rang in the new year, the new decade, with a new intention. He wanted a challenge that would shake off a near-fatal bike accident that left him on a path of destruction, a goal that would bring him back to better health. In doing so, he wound up skiing and biking over 2.5 million vertical feet in 2020, breaking the record for the most human-powered vertical gain in a single year. Alan's not a sponsored athlete or an Instagram influencer. He works as a Patagonia clothing sales rep out of Bozeman, Montana, and he quietly broke the record without the attention of media a completely self-indulgent process that set him on the path to learning how to slow down time. Now, before we get started, you know what's coming. Gaia GPS has all the maps for every outdoor adventure in one app. No need to buy multiple apps for your different activities. With Gaia GPS, you get your choice of hundreds of maps for everything from backpacking to hiking, off-roading, hunting, skiing, biking, and more, all in one membership. But don't just take it from me. Take it from experts like Alan, who used Gaia to guide him through all of his sweaty adventures in 2020. I have Gaia, um, and I keep all my ski tracks on here and like anywhere I go. So I have them labeled like, that was the good route, that was the bad one. And so I use Gaia a ton, and now, yeah, I pay for the premium, the 40 bucks a year. And so is my partner. Yeah, we love Gaia for ski touring. It's like gold. And right now, podcast listeners can save 20% on a Gaia GPS premium membership. Just go to GaiaGPS.com slash podcast to get the app for 32 bucks. Trust me, after you listen to Alan's story, you're going to need Gaia GPS to navigate through your next big outdoor goal. Okay, let's get to it with Alan Adams. My name's Alan Adams. Um, I climbed on my bike and skis 2,508,000-ish feet. Live in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, I feel like 2020 was, people say it was the dumpster fire year. And I was like, man, it's one of the best years of my life. That's because Alan spent the whole year doing what he loves most, skiing and biking in the mountains around his home. He had one singular goal, to break the record for the most vertical climbed in a single year under human power. By no means was it planned literally before the start of 2020. It was like, I just had this thing as like birthdays have always been one of those things like where you reflect and sometimes people get negative about them. And I'd sort of in the thirties was like, ah, man, like I should have, you know, like those picture, like perfect, like what you're supposed to do kids and white picket fence and the debt that people want to have. Now's the time. Like I'm going to turn 40 this year. Let's enter this next decade with a bang. Let's just not like come bumbling into the next decade. Let's storm it, you know? And so I, my birthday's in June and it's 40th year, year. I'm like, my two favorite sports, cycling and ski touring. I'll do 2 million feet on those two methods. No running, because I don't really like it that much. And I can give up running for a year. And I'm just going to focus on the two sports I love the most. And it wasn't like a record chasing idea at that point. It was just like 2 million feet, 40th birthday, my two favorite modes of travel. Go. And then I started like adding it up <laughs> on a spreadsheet. It's like, oh, 
That's 38,850 feet a week. So then I'm like, okay, that's 5,500 feet a day. Alan went after it, skiing laps on the mountains around his home in Bozeman. Somewhere along the way, though, he realized that there was a record out there. In 2016, Aaron Rice skied 2.5 million vertical uphill. And records are meant to be broken, right? So, I mean, it started off being like 55, because that's what that was the rate that was needed to do it. Um, and then when I upped the project, it turned into like, oh, now I need to make up for these being behind. It was like 7,000-ish a day average. Um, but to make up and then just like days where, you know, work was busy and I had to have a short day, there was a lot of 10, 12, a lot of 10 to 12K days in the last month and a half. I think in December, I probably had like 20 days of 10K plus a couple 12s and 115. Um, so yeah, I came down to like, oh, if I'm going to do this thing, I got to like go big last month. And I knew that it's easier to ski than Mike. I can kill off on my ski skis two or three K an hour. To beat Aaron Rice's record, Alan had to step up to at least 7,000 vertical each day and a little more to make up for lost time. If you can't relate to that, it would be like biking up or skiing up Vail top to bottom twice every single day for a year. And on big days, Jackson Hole two or more times every single day of the year. Who would volunteer for such a thing? Someone like Alan Adams, who once had the joy of the outdoors taken away from them. A former bike racer, Alan's career on the race course ended abruptly with a devastating crash eight years ago. I honestly don't remember what happened, which is probably best, um, but I woke up in a hospital in Portland. The crash made Alan reflect on the dangerousness of bike racing. So I came to the sport late. I mean, most guys that are really good, like the guys that are in the pro tour level, they find in their teenage years and like are racing at this high level by 25. Um, and I found the sport at 22. So like, it wasn't going to be like, you know, I wasn't going to go to Europe and be like racing the Tour de France. Like that wasn't never what my capacity based on when I found the sport, it just wasn't a possibility. Um, so the team I was on, you know, we were, the focus was to get these younger guys to like get out jobs on pro teams, like get these 18, 19 year old kids to have that experience. So, you know, I quickly became the sort of you know, there was like half our team was older, older as in like late twenties, early thirties, um, kind of guys that would sort of mentor the young guys and like everything from like how to move around the Peloton, how to take care of feeding themselves and being away from the parents for a weekend. Um, so that's the role I fell into was sort of like the, you know, older responsible guy that would help the younger guys, um, which I enjoyed. It was fun. Um, but you know, it gets to this point where like, okay, this sport has risk. Um, a lot of risk road is more dangerous than mountain biking or like cross racing or any of the other bike. It's way dangerous. Cause it's just, you're going 50, 60 miles an hour. Sometimes like, it's like, it's scary. He was going that fast when he lost control of his bike at the race, but the details of how it happened had to be learned from other racers. Alan completely blacked out and has no memory of the event. Um, so anyway, so I was at this race, uh, the Mount Hood Cycling Classic, which is in Hood River, Oregon. And it was a pretty big event. Like it drew teams from all over the country. And um, there was this loop that went from between the Dalles and Hood River or Mosher, I think, little town outside Hood River. And um, this big, long climb and then a ripping descent. And it's like this cross windy, sketchy descent. I mean, I had a Garmin on the bike and it said, 
the last reading was 52 miles an hour. So I hit the deck at 52, like it, for 52 to zero. I heard a rumor that it was on a descent and like someone sliced and slid way across in front of me and their back wheel clipped my front wheel, which is then the guy in the behind is obviously going to fly. Uh, and I literally heard rumor that like I flew up 20 feet in the air and landed on the side of the road and my team director in the car and he thought I was dead. He, you know, was pretty sure he was gonna have to call my parents. Um, and it turned out I wasn't dead, but I was, uh, I had a C2 foramen break, which is like, if it had broken more significantly, it was like, it's a zero or one. It's not like you're paralyzed. It's like you're zero being dead. I guess one being alive, I got one. Um, so it was like super lucky. Alan survived the bike crash, but returning to bike racing wasn't an option. My head was just jumbled. The physical recovery was almost like fine. You know, you're in a sea collar and you just start taking it easy for eight weeks. The crash happened in June, you know, spend July and August, like with this thing around my neck. Um, you know, the road rash goes away and you're just left with this sea collar and you're like, okay, this is a weird. I knew I wasn't going to bike race again, like road race. Um, but, you know, I still wanted to be out riding, but I'd go in a group ride and I wouldn't feel comfortable being close to people. Like in part of cycling is like, you're literally like elbow to elbow, like your, your hands on their hoods and like, that was not going to work for me ever again. I sort of hang to the side or to the back and I'm always like near where there's an exit. Like, Oh, I can go to the ditch. The ditch is soft. The pavement's not, um, it was sort of like almost like taken away, not on my terms, which is always a little hard, right? You want to have, you want to give something up on your terms, not have it forced. The injury was one thing, but losing bike racing stripped Alan of his identity. Um, so it, it changed me. Um, and I'd say at first it didn't change me for the better. <laughs> you know, when you have 10 years of your life wrapped into this thing, you just love. And it was like, I had my job. I had, you know, honestly, it or not a different girlfriends. I was not being very good with that. Um, and just, you know, those, that was me. Like I had, I bike raced, I had a good job and I was sort of self-familiar a little bit of, you know, like just vagabondish, you know, um, always playing, going somewhere on the weekend, just always busy. And, uh, and it just sort of perpetuated after that, but not in a directed way. Um, and it definitely felt like, okay, this is like not a healthy space. I was continuing to do fun, active things after, but my brain entered this spot of just like sort of making poor decisions, like nothing like bad, bad. Honestly, most of it came down to relationships, like friendships and significant others um, that I just was like on this pretty self-destructive path. Alan started racing mountain bikes, took on some trail running and kept himself busy outside, but keeping busy didn't really fix his underlying issues. Um, you know, I still biked, I did mountain bike racing, I did cross racing, you know, I still did all those things, but everything was like more dabbling and just playing. And like, it wasn't to the level that like, that high level that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. And I just sort of, sort of felt lost. I hadn't found that rhythm again of like being in a sport where like, I'm just locked in and like so excited about it and so passionate about it. I was just dabbling in a bunch of things. And I was honestly not like, I was in the worst shape specifically of things for, for me. Like I did some mountain bike races, like a professional mountain bike race level one in Colorado that summer. And like, I was almost dead last, but I was in the pro field and like, if it would have been my age group, I would have been like top five or something. It was not like I was bad shape. It was like bad shape for my standards for me. And I don't obsess about results. For me, knowing what I can do, I want to be able to do that the best I can, right? It's not like I care if, like where I am on a 
tally sheet. It's more like, if I know that I should be up here, why am I down here? And I kept, that was bumming me out. Um, so I transitioned career. So there's just a lot of bouncing balls and things going on at that point in my life that, yeah, changed me in a big lot of ways. And so when 2019 was coming to a close, Alan really wanted to push himself. He set a New Year's resolution to climb 2 million vertical in 2020. On January 1, he went out the door and went to work on stacking up the climbs on his skis and bike. And yeah, I just started adding it up. And I was like, oh, this isn't that hard. I mean, it's hard, not easy, but my lifestyle was already sort of there to do it. And I, you know, started doing it and was like, this is so fun. I'm outside every day. I was just loving it. And um, I just kept going. (laughs) And then I was like shooting for like 40K a week. And then it was like COVID, right? It was like blowing up. And uh, and so I hit this point in March, late March, early April. I'm like, wow, what if I got COVID? Like I should pad this. So I started doing like 50K weeks. Because at that point I could go like ski tour in the morning and then go on a bike ride, come back, go to work, and then go on a bike ride in the afternoon because daylight's long. And I was doing 50K weeks and I didn't feel like I was tired. I'd be tired like the first cycle of like jumping up in volume. But then within a week, I was like, fine. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Keep going. And then it was like some sunny day, late April. I'm like, wait, like I haven't gotten COVID yet. And then, and my job, Patagonia had shut down their website and they're like, we need to furlough half the employees for three months and you can be on furlough and you come back to your job in 90 days. And I'm like, oh my God, like now I can just ride my bike all day, every day for the next three months. And that's what I did. Um, And then... I started to realize, whoa, I could, like, there's a record here. Like this guy, Aaron Rice, had done 6,000. Like I could actually do that. It's going to be tight because I hadn't started on that path, starting out 5,500 a day, 40K a week. And now, oh, to do this, it's like 7K a day, almost 50K a week. You got to up the ante, right? And so midstream, that's sort of a hard to shift and make up for that ground if you hadn't started with that plan, but I was able to do it. It came literally down to the last couple of days. Um, and yeah, I just got stoked and just kept going. I don't know. It just became this like line in the sand of like, but it's, he was, you know, his record was like the most human powered vertical. And I'm like, no one's run that much. No one's ski toured more than that. No one's biked that much. And no one's done the combo of sports and done that much. Um, maybe Killian Jornet, might find out he did it like age 12, but I've actually reached out and it sounds like he hasn't. So, um, so I just, just went, you know, and I didn't have many down days. So just kept building. Pushing hard through December and making up for lost time. Alan sometimes doubled down on the vertical. He came into the end of the year by beating the record, but just barely. So, so the total did not end up much over his record. Uh, the guy Aaron Rice, I did literally it two million five hundred eight thousand or five hundred seven and like seven hundred, like just under five hundred eight. Um, so eight thousand feet over two point five mil. Um, and you know, honestly, the last couple of days it was like it was holidays. I was with my partner and we were skiing, and I could have kept going for more, blowing the record out of the water a little bit more. But it was Christmas, like I wanted to be with my partner out skiing with her, not like. Oh, Hey, I'll see you later. You know, I mean, I did do a couple like days where I went extra laps in her or like, but, um, I wanted to enjoy that time. So like, I didn't, you know, go to 
And I initially didn't set out to beat a record. So it wasn't like I was set up for success, to like blow the record out of the water and go for 3 million. Like that wasn't going to happen um, unless I had set out to do that from the beginning. Right. So um, yeah. So 2 million, 2.2 million, 573 is what the spreadsheet tally is. And if I had known, I guess maybe I would have gone for more earlier, but uh, yeah, whatever. And it was a low key local event for Alan who just quietly chipped away at the climb. But yeah, it was like Montana, some Oregon, Washington, like mountain biking, a little Tetons, you know, Wyoming, which is, you know, Driggs, like Victor, Tetons, not far from here. Um, a lot of Cook City, which a lot of the skiing Cook City is in Wyoming. Um, so, you know, it was important for me to have it be very local. Um, and that's why I like skiing only, you know, the two guys that did those, Greg Hill and Aaron Rice, they traveled big time in the summer, like South America and, um, with obviously with COVID, that's out of the question. You know, anywhere I couldn't go in my van was not an option. It seems that COVID and all its travel restrictions came at the perfect time for Alan. Um, and, you know, during COVID, we recognized like how valuable and awesome that is to not have super complicated lives. Like I sort of had a plan every day while I'm making breakfast, I'm prepping lunch. And then, you know, like my partner and I shared the duty at dinner. And then it's like dishes, a beer, and like sit on the couch and space out for a half hour and go to bed. Very sort of boring, but not. I mean, I was out all day in the mountains. Some people maybe think it's boring. To me, it was like the best ever. Sounds a little bit like Groundhog Day to me, but Alan says the routine never got old for him. I just value the time of the time spent outside looking around, disconnecting, um, and just being present in the outdoors. And for sure, I'd listen to podcasts and music sometimes. Sometimes I wouldn't. I'd make that conscious decision one day. For the first three hours, no music, no headphones, none of that. I just love being in the weather and seeing the changes day to day. And just the beauty of skinning even at Bridger in bounds and seeing, you know, that the eagles fly red over the over PK or looking down at, you know, the Gallatin Valley from the top of Leverage. There's like a little viewpoint that everyone goes to the lower entrance and there's like an upper one. And just going to that bench and sitting there, it just, the beauty of where I live and like the landscape we have here, it just changes so much throughout the year. It's just so beautiful and inspiring to me. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just what I love about it. That love of the outdoors pushed Alan to complete his goal. He set the new record for the most human-powered vertical climb in a single year. And then he rang in the new year with, you guessed it, more vertical. And you could tell he felt like he had to explain himself a little bit there, kind of like a kid with his hand caught in the cookie jar. I did like an 8,500-foot day. <laughs> what? That's like skinning up Mammoth Mountain or Snowbird almost three times, top to bottom. Doesn't sound like much of a rest day to me. Uh, so, so here's why. So, okay, so I took, so the project, because it was leap year, technically the 31st didn't count of December. So I took that day and that was a smaller day. It was like 4,000 feet. Um, but I was in Cook City. I was on vacation. I'm not working. It's New Year's Day. Um, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful powder day. Gorgeous and no wind. And the thing is, okay, so this is sort of weird. Like I had to have a come down week, a taper week. And I didn't even know this was going to have to happen, but I had to. But my body was buzzing. And so I did a short day on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Eve, the 31st, right? New Year's Eve, yeah. Um, and I couldn't sleep. And the next morning I woke up and I was just buzzing. And I'm like, okay, I got to do a big day so I can sleep. Um, and so I've had to alternate like big day, short day, big day, short day to sleep 
um, and just to regulate to sort of come back down. Um, so I did go to a huge day, but it was a beautiful powder day. It wasn't like I was out there like, oh, we need to get whatever vert looking at my watch. It was just like me and my partner went out and that's what we did. Um, and she's right there with me, like having fun. In the process of having fun, Alan learned that constantly moving taught him to really slow down. It seems counterintuitive, but the way he describes the simplicity of taking on one goal for an entire year makes a lot of sense. And I will now look at time as one of my biggest or most important values. I mean, obviously, you need to make some money and do the things and, you know, pay attention to those responsibilities. I'm not going to shirk those, but time is now for me top of my list of what's important. I think I learned that I say no a lot more. And that doesn't mean I'm going to like not do my job and not be a good friend and not be a good boyfriend. Those things are all super important to me, but I'm more strategic about what matters. What's the top of the list? Prioritize A, B, C. And if B and C don't happen, that's fine. And I guess being a driven type A individual, I'm always like, do more, 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 squeeze it in. And I've learned it's like, you can't always do that. Sometimes you need to say no and let other people figure it out. So I think that's the biggest thing. Like say no, say yes when you really mean it and be there and like do it um, and commit to that thing and do it well. And I'm one of those people I'd rather have, you know, do five things really well versus 15 things really poorly. So just magnify that for me. Thanks for joining us, Alan. You can follow Alan's exploits in the mountains on Instagram at Alan R. Adams. And while you're over there, make sure to also give us a follow at Out and Back Podcast. Then head on over to Apple Podcasts to give us a nice five-star review like Urban Anchorite recently did. Thanks so much for that, Urban. It helps the show get noticed and also keeps me, Mary, and Abby smiling. Finally, make sure to swing over to GaiaGPS.com slash podcast to get a nice discount on a premium membership with the best offline backcountry navigation tool there is. That's GaiaGPS.com slash podcast. I'm Shanti. Thanks for joining us as always. And we'll see you next time on the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS. Bye-bye.